Hello, hello. Hello. I'm Jessica Benoist Young. And I'm Melanie Reap. And this is Best Line. Worst Line. Where we talk about movies, TV series, musicals, skits, sketches, and more. Someday, maybe. Some of those. (laughs) And choose and discuss our best and worst lines from each. We are kicking off a tournament of sorts. With this episode, we are having a Nora Ephron summer. Woo! Except by the time this drops, it's probably going to be like a Nora Ephron fall. You know, summer really where I'm at goes until like the end of September. (laughs) That's true. And I guess... Sometimes, you know. I guess where I'm at in Los Angeles, um, everybody's like, oh, LA doesn't have seasons. And I have a friend who's like, no, no, LA has seasons. The seasons are summer, (laughs) hot summer, cold summer. And I'm like... Yeah, okay, those are our seasons. (laughs) Right now it's a little mix of summer and hot summer. You know, I'm from Colorado where there are two seasons, snowing, not snowing. I would argue (laughs) that there is. I I would argue that there are four and like a week and a half of fall. There you go. Also, in Colorado, you could really have all four seasons in one day. And I've seen it happen. That's very true. But then it's just a state of the the climate and not necessarily a season. I think a season is something that is prolonged enough, you know, that it's like, mm. oh, it's going to be like this for a while. Yeah, 10 minutes. This is all just very stimulating conversation. I was just saying, I'm glad we're just <laughs> talking about our weather, the most droll of Ooh. small talk topics. I actually feel like the, um, the droll weather is like, a decent lead-in to Nora Ephron, not because Nora Ephron's a droll writer. She's not at all, but she makes topics that are, like, seemingly yes, mundane. That's true. Very exciting to, I mean, just everyday topics, very exciting to listen to. So as Jessica mentioned, we are doing a Nora Ephron tournament of sorts, um, choosing our best lines from some of Nora Ephron's oeuvre, and pairing them up against each other. And so we're kicking this off with her 1986 movie, Heartburn, which was based on the novel of the same name. And then my personal favorite and like my favorite movie of all time, Uh which has been since college, When Harry Met Sally, which is, I have made it my personal mission to make sure everybody I know has seen this movie. I think it holds up. That's a good mission. I think it is accurate. I think it's both... Uh enjoyable for men and women uh-huh. anyway so in heartburn i had some other opinions on i had not seen that until we decided to do it i think if we're talking about what we were just saying where making um dull or seemingly innocuous conversations enjoyable that was what i found the most enjoyable about this movie in fact like entire scenes and just like entire conversations and like running gags about the dumbest like crap ever if i heard somebody saying it in real life i'd be like oh that's dumb but the way that it was structured and written in the movie i was like dying laughing are we getting into heartburn let's get into heartburn yeah let's get into heartburn but let's let's say why we chose Heartburn as our first movie, and then you have, like, a bombshell to drop on me? 
I, I do. I think Jess, why did we, why did we choose Heartburn? Because Heartburn actually is semi autobiographical of yes. Nora Ephron's uh, first sec first or second marriage. It, it is A autobiographical marriage. of one of her marriages, uh, the marriage I guess that gave her her children. Yes, and and so that's kind of why we thought you know this would be a nice introduction to sort of Nora Ephron's life and who she is right so in this movie she's the main character who's based on Efron herself is named Rachel Samstadt and she's Mm -hmm. a food writer a food Mm -hmm. not a critic like no but like recipe so have you read the book no I didn't even know any of this existed until like a month ago (laughs) I should have read the book Great. I much prefer the book to the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think the reasoning is, and I've been reading a few articles that I think agree with me, is like, so the book is Rachel's the narrator. And you get oh, okay. that incredible Nora Ephron off the cuff, like the witticisms of observations mm-hmm. and retellings of conversations from Rachel's perspective, which makes it so much more interesting and her such a better character yeah um because she is like like because you just understand her world whereas in heartburn Mm -hmm. the movie you're just watching rachel i mean played the cast is terrific in the movie it is it is meryl streep jack nicholson who i would say like i love both of them i don't think they have much chemistry they didn't really no and then stockard channing who i just adore Mm -hmm. Catherine o'hara With a southern accent. Loved it. I did not realize that was Catherine O'Hara for a very long time because <laughs> she of that. She was very young. She was very young. Greg Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Right? Jeff Daniels. Jeff not Daniels, Greg Daniels. Yeah. Greg Daniels. Also very young Jeff that. Daniels. Yeah. Also very young. Um, but, I mean, it was 1986 when this came out, so they all were pretty young. But they... It's a great cast, and it's just mm-hmm. like... The plotting of the movie, because it is so day to day it just doesn't go many places yeah the book because the best part of the book is the narration and her observations Mm -hmm. you can just do that a lot more in a book so as jessica was saying this is based like nora efron really took this from her life in fact so much so that like one of the critiques originally i read this ebert uh roger ebert said apparently she had too much anger to transform the facts into entertaining fiction this is a bitter sour movie about two people who are only marginally interesting and i'm like yeah that's exactly how i felt about watching the movie yeah and like i felt rachel was a sad sack and like Mm -hmm. had no interest in oh i don't even remember the name of jack nicholson's character um because it was just like i don't care about him I, like, I don't. Uh, but here's my, here's my factoid. Mark. Was it Mark? Mark, 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 yeah. Here's my factoid that about... That does not fit with Jack Nicholson. Oh, it does so, not, no. So, yeah. So, in, this, in the movie, it's this... It's the story of this relationship she meets. They uh, fall in love very quickly. A political columnist. They... Neither of them want to get married. And then all of a sudden... They are married are getting and they're married. buying a house and then they have two kids and like, in pretty rapid succession and like and um and he has an affair with a well known person very tall woman in a very tall woman. A a well known uh wife in this uh political ambassador circle that they all sort of are know. In. 
So, so so I don't know who she was actually married to. I don't know what marriage, what real life person this is based on. And so Melanie's going to tell me. Okay. So, you know how we've been saying that Richard Nixon has been a returning champion. Oh yes. Oh, okay. It's not Nixon. Okay. I know it's not Nixon. (laughs) Obviously if you were to use, because we've talked about Nixon a few times, I mean, in this podcast, so he's a returning champ. Um, if you were to use your powers of deduction, Jessica, thinking about journalists in Washington in the 70s and 80s. Bob. Eh, uh, close. See, I always think about Bob because I, I read Bob now. Carl Bernstein. Uh, Carl Bernstein. Okay, I was like, it's Bernstein. I can't think of his first name. <laughs> yeah. So, no, was, so half, yeah. Of, half of the deep throat reporting duo okay so yes bob woodard and carl bernstein uh the famous watergate deep throat yep so carl bernstein is the is the uh (laughs) impetus and inspiration for mark Foreman, jack nicholson's character when I read that, I was like, oh my God, Jessica. I was oh like, if my Jessica God, doesn't how did know I not this, know this? Right. And that was what I was like. I was like, if Jessica doesn't know this, she's going to love this. I think, I think what we're really going towards is the, the universe is telling us we have to do dick. We have to do dick. And pair it with Frost Nixon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's our November. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yeah, our uh, our midterm election. <laughs> Go vote! Everybody register to vote. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, okay, because because we're doing like things kind of get out of order with the way that like our editor me decides to edit things. But this will now be the this is the third time, maybe only the second time you're hearing, but this is the third time that we, we have had Richard Nixon. Nixon come up. In conversation on this yeah. podcast, returning champion, and, Richard Nixon. and it's just because Richard Nixon is just like a part of me. <laughs> they share a birthday. It's we're birthday buddies. I when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, Jess is gonna love that." Anyway, so like, well, as we already said, I think both of us kind of were like, "Eh," on this movie. I was disappointed. I was like, really. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be charming." It starts charming. Yes, I. I think I got about 45 minutes in and was like, this is cute. This has great writing. These actors are doing a great job. I really enjoy what's going on. And then, but then I started waiting for like, yes, when is there going to be like a, a climax, a plot, you know, and there is a story, but it never comes across like a plot. It never comes across like we're going to put a big conflict and make something big out of it. Everything is like way too subdued, way too just narrative and, and menial. I think here's the interesting thing is like when comparing it to when Harry met Sally, like there are a lot of similarities in these movies. Right. When Harry met Sally is also a, like a time span movie. Uh Like it's not like, so heartburn, it, it moves through elements very quickly. It was like they met, and then they get married and then they're moving into a house. Like, so you have these like time moments that they're just right. passing. And then, you, and then you settle into a like 
period of time that we're going to stay in for a bit. And when right. Harry Met Sally is the same way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say when Harry Met Sally has a heavy plot either. It is no, but it, there's something about it that works. I don't know if it's the chemistry. I don't know if it's the you like the characters. I don't know yeah. if it's the. But there's like there's so many elements that are the same. You have you have the friend characters in Heartburn. You have Stockard Channing and her husband. And in When Harry Met Sally, you have Jess and Marie, um, Bruno Kirby, and Carrie Fisher. Uh-huh. And then, and then you have like the ancillary friend characters too. So Catherine O'Hara and Heartburn, and then the other few Alice in their friend Alice in their friend group in When Harry Met Sally. And then you have very, you just have very similar plot points in a lot of ways. Very, but something about When Harry Met Sally works where Heartburn doesn't. Well, I I think think it's because I just don't like Rachel, (laughs) right? Or either of the characters, really. I think it's it's the subject matter, the way the subject matter is handled, and where the emphasis is placed, and just sort of the framing of it is like, the emphasis in Heartburn is placed on the drama, and the the pain and the bad stuff, and in when Harry and Sally, the emphasis is more on the comedy and the quirkiness and their friendship, yeah, and. So the payoffs are are just better. And I think there is a heavy, heavy hand, obviously. Um, w- when you have a rom-com, you know you're getting a happy ending resolution like 99.9% of the time if you're going into that. And so you know what something is building towards, you're not just like swimming out farther into the ocean being like, where are you going to leave me? Which is definitely how I felt with this movie with heartburn was very much Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm getting deeper and deeper into this movie and I'm not seeing the Island I'm supposed to be swimming to. Whereas with a rom-com, a more traditional rom-com or just a more traditional, like comedy, even like, I know that I'm going to get a generally, nice resolution that has a good payoff. Well, and the other thing too, I think in Heartburn, like, yeah, I know. I think there just wasn't in terms of like script plotting moments, like there wasn't those beats of a script necessarily that you look right. for. Yeah. Like oh, when no, you no, watch no, a movie and are looking at like, I mean, sh- can movies play with convention? Yes. Should they? Absolutely. But like, there's something to be said about why movies use a certain formula. It's because Absolutely. that's how storytelling works. And there was just something about the storytelling that I was like, this is, there's not the, we're not building to a climax. I mean, we did, but it was also like so underwhelming. <laughs> what do you consider the climax? I liked the climax, but like for what went on in that movie, I thought. I mean, it's when she throws the pie in his face. Which there's just, yeah. That, that, yes. That's, that's she the climax of the movie. Or like when she like realizes face. he's, or when she realizes he's still having an affair when she goes to like yeah. get the ring fixed. And but again, the jeweler like, is like, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's part of it is because maybe it is that, that, that subtlety because we are used to seeing this type of thing, you know, um, uh, your husband cheating on you with someone everyone knows 
with like a high-profile person in your group and his profession while you are in your third trimester of your second pregnancy well, with in this like person, three years you know we we are very used to in like a 90s and 2000s movie world seeing that as a big fucking deal where large amounts of like loud arguments and and drastic action would be taken and so i think we're really conditioned to see that as something that is more of a heightened conflict than we ever saw it played as in this movie she's very she's very lackadaisical i mean she takes action but she they both just kind of handle it in this like kind of mopey shoulder shrugging way and maybe that's like actually a testament to Nora Ephron's ability to write real, because like in reality, I mean, I've not gone through a divorce. I've definitely, I've not had a husband cheating on me, but like in reality, I mean, I've gone through heartbreak. I've gone through, you know, relationships where yeah. somebody was not faithful. It's like, right. like in yeah, those I... moments, it's like, how does like, how do you in real life actually process that? And I think yeah. those, like, maybe that is a testament to her. Like, I, I don't, it's not, it's not Hollywood, Hollywood dialogue all the time. And right. I think that's where she does things well. But as far as a movie goes, right. I did not find it a compelling story to watch because it right. felt too real life. And exactly. I'm now very curious as to why when Harry met Sally works, because it is so much of that. Is it the chemistry? Is it the pacing? Is it the something about when Harry met Sally, which is again, snapshots of real life. There's not mm-hmm. a huge plot there either. But there's something about it that works, whereas heartburn does not. I think it. it oh. I want to say that at the most simplistic, it, it is the payoff. It is the ending. We're focusing on something that we wanted to happen. It's good. It's uplifting. We enjoy these people and we want them to be together and be happy. And you can almost take the inverse of that, all of that, and that's heartburn. I didn't really like Mark. And when she was having cold feet about him, I was like, yeah, don't fucking marry him. Like, <laughs> look at Jack Nicholson just looks like a man who's going to cheat on you the whole time you're married. Like, <laughs> I don't know anything about him in real life, but one uh, of the things uh, I when, do appreciate when he plays like a romantic character, he always seems very like way too charming and skeezy for me i will also say though jack nicholson is supposed to be like one of the nicest people in hollywood oh so i've never heard anything about him so that's just my assumption is like okay he's like a he's like a normal guy (laughs) but he also like he also plays i mean i think one of the things that like works against jack nicholson is he plays these like in in the romantic roles he plays like the deranged like here shiny like he plays that so well that when he does do this, I mean, because I will say like, as good as it gets, I love Jack yeah. Nicholson in that movie. He's oh, yeah. wonderful and charming. He won and an Oscar and it was deserved. No. And I really liked him in this movie too. It was like, he was so charming. Just so many scenes where it was like, he is so charming. And mm-hmm. then, but then there's something about him where it's like, this is too charming. Like, I know that your character is also out being this charming with the Swedish ambassador's wife. 
Right. Like you just feel that. And that's, that's a very good job on his part. Exactly. <laughs> but that doesn't make well, me and, like love the character. Well, you and know? Meryl Streep to her, I mean, Meryl Streep also plays this like, I mean, one of the things that I think is the most frustrating about Rachel is her insecurity is so great throughout the entire thing. And Meryl Streep plays it so well yeah. that it's like, I just want her to be like, she's so, there's a, there's that sequence where she first discovers that Mark is cheating on her and she goes back to New York and then the whole time she's like, okay, I'm not going back to him. I'm not going yes. back to him. And then she's like, but that constantly night. waiting by the phone. Yeah. And like, the so she has fan of a day when she tells her editor, Jeff Daniels, I'm never going back to him. And then she goes home and is having like a childlike meltdown that he won't call her. Well, that, and the, the thing that too, the husband won't call her and hasn't come groveling. And I'm like, so right. Ugh, make up your well, mind. And, you know, and well, well also, but you know, when she's telling the editor, I'm never going back to him. It's so disingenuous too. Like, it's not like, and Meryl, she plays that so well. It's like, she's trying to put on this like brave face of like, uh-huh. Oh no, I'm strong. I'm never going back to him. But that's not the character. The character's uh-huh. pining for him. She yeah. is so, and like all of the times Meryl Streep does this so well. There's so many times like earlier in the movie where she's like, I'm happy. I'm just so happy. And it's just like, oh, this is like, it's like a signal, like a flare going off of like, oh, something's going to happen. Because there are moments of like, oh, there's, they have this house that is like, they're still making it work. And they have a few arguments, but they're still like, you know, and then they go camping and they're just so happy. And she's like, oh, I'm just so happy. I've never been so happy. And it's just like, that is, she doth protest too much. almost. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, anyway. So, Let's get into lines, because I think one of the things... I mean, Nora Ephron is a brilliant line writer. I think yeah. even in this movie where I don't oh, think it's dotted so well. many lines. Oh, yeah. what I was going to say about this is there's this whole conversation, and now I can't... It's about... I think it's fish. I think it's fish. She does have... There is a very, like... I just thought this whole thing was genius. So she is getting cold feet. I mean, this we're talking about... This is 10 minutes in that they're getting married. Like it is boom. They meet, they have um, carbonara at 4am while watching an old horror movie. They're like instantly Mm -hmm. in love and then boom, they're getting married. And she gets cold feet because they've both been married before. He's kind of a, um, what do they say? He's he's single. He's famous for it. He's single and her friend answers, he's famous for it. He's famous for it. So he's a cad. They've both been married before. Um, and she's just freaking out at this wedding and there is a a good 10 minute, almost 10 minute sequence of her having cold feet and everybody in her circle coming in and trying to pep talk her. And in his circle, because Stalker Channing, like Stalker Channing and Arthur come in for 20 years. (laughs) Yeah. For 20 years, he's been terrible to women until you, you're the only person he's treated decently. (laughs) not what you say <laughs> no but it's such a Nora Ephron line I love it and, such, well, and god I love Stalker Channing and like, I just I adore her intermixed into all of this are two waiters one of the waiters is telling the other waiter how to prepare prepare this salmon dish or chicken dish or something and it is so benign so Meaningless. So funny. The secret is wax paper. 
Wax if paper. If you butter the wax paper on both sides, then mm -hmm. add the chicken, chicken, just as you would in normal casserole. Filet of course. Of filet, of course, yes, and not a trace of skin. Oh, no, that. never, never, I was dying laughing. I was cracking up, like banging my table, like it was so funny. Just that this is going on, you know, mixed in with this extremely dramatic Rachel, very like, and all of these people coming in and giving their best, um, their best pep talk to her. And it's just like all this big emotion dump. And then this like, just deadpan, these waiters being like, so you're going to take your butter and you're going to rub it. <laughs> like, it's so good. So it's good. so, it's oh, so, that, so that was one of them that I was like, this is like peak Nora Ephron, just putting these tiny little droll, innocuous conversations intermixed within this like high emotion. And the other one, sort of one of the other ones that really jumped out at me was when they are at the cabin with Stalker Channing and her husband. And it kind mm -hmm. of leads into one of my lines, actually. But he starts okay. this whole conversation about the socks. He has this, like, running thing about missing socks. And he and so, you know, everybody says that. It's, there's nothing unique about it. But then the way that it's, like, written and performed is just very, like, oh, that's clever. Whereas yeah. I've... No, I have personally talked about missing socks probably 20 times in my life, and I've never sounded that clever. There's 200 million people in America. 100 million of them are men. They lose four socks a year conservatively. I lose 10 myself. That's 400 million missing socks. Missing forever. Where are they? Nobody ever sees them again. <laughs> You think you'd run into one of them every once in a while. They're in heaven. <laughs> you die, you go to heaven, and they give you this big box with all your missing socks and mufflers in it, and you get to spend eternity sorting it out. Um, I, I, I like, wrote down missing socks because, like, I know I moved to Los Angeles with matching socks. Like, I know I did. Yeah. I, I moved to Los Angeles. Like, I had some great <laughs> matching, like, cute pairs of socks, and I don't think I own a single pair of matching socks now. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the washing machines have a very high, have a very steep sock tax here. Uh, mm -hmm. Because I do not know, like how is it possible to lose one of every pair of socks? I don't, I don't know. know. So I found that very relatable. Yes. But I think like his whole like sock thing is because he like was having an affair and probably leaving them. Yes. Then after places. that is kind, that's kind of the thing where she gets clued in that, only because the hairdressers are talking about like the clues to yeah the boyfriend cheating yeah um, so I yeah there were several very very clever lines I mean it's Nora Ephron there's a lot of clever throughout it I think um one of the lines I wrote down is just like very clever like right after she makes spaghetti carbonara at four in the morning. She says, you, you think you probably think it's very bourgeois to cook for somebody on a first date. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's like not spaghetti carbonara at like four in the morning. And then, um, like when she said, like, it's having this meltdown cause the house isn't going to be done and their kid's going to have asthma. He says, if this is your way of telling me we've got less than nine months to finish this renovation, this is a really weird way of doing it. Yeah. 
there there are very like interesting ways of how she like explains like very normal things and i loved they get um in this the couple days where she where they're separated she had a group a therapy group or counseling group mm-hmm. in new york so when she's back in new york staying at her dad's house they go to this therapy group well she gets followed on the subway because her wedding ring is really really nice mm-hmm. and the guy kevin spacey ew that is who that it's was. Spacey, I was yeah. like, oh my God, who is that it took actor? Me I recognize three him. Takes. Oh my God. I didn't notice it while they were on the subway, but when he comes into the That's office. Ex- he also, he's also they, blonde, they, like, which zoom is just in. gross. Yeah, he's like beach blonde. Bleach blonde. It's really gross. They, they like come in a little closer on his face and I was like, holy shit, that's Kevin Spacey. Ew. Just popping up to ruin my day. Um... But so he comes in, holds up the therapy group at gunpoint, takes all their jewelry, and then he's like, now lay down and don't move for five minutes and don't, like, nobody follow me, that kind of stuff, you know. And she's trying, like, she's seven seven to eight months pregnant, and she's, like, yeah. trying to get down. And she just looks back at him and she's like, please don't shoot me, but I can't lie on my stomach. <laughs> and yeah. he's just like, do your best. Yeah. <laughs> and I, being almost eight months pregnant eight months pregnant actually yes was like that's funny because yeah. <laughs> if somebody says anything about lay down i'm like no no i'm not laying down yeah. um <laughs> or like when the dad is comforting her like when she's pregnant and um she's crying to him and is like he's like tells this whole story and like oh, this, this is so near i'm like line. this might be my best whole, line she tells a like it's so Nora Ephron to like tell a story and then like the character to be like, are you saying this? And he's like, well, yeah. Um, and so like, he's saying about like this, this other, like this woman found out that her husband was cheating on yes. him and they had six and then they kids. Were... And, and then he says, I'm the, and the woman said, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your girlfriend. And then she gave him the kids. <laughs> Because she's like, I've had 14 years with them. It's your turn. And, and, the, like, and Rachel's are you, like, are you saying that I should, I give, should him give him them my kids? And the give dad goes, kids. well, one of them. And I'm just like, that's very funny. Like, that's just very funny. Um, like, and then because, she, like, she even says something, too. She's like, maybe if I had, like, six. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, no, no, no. I wouldn't do that. Maybe if I had six kids or something, I would give them. <laughs> Okay, so what? But then at the end of that conversation, right before he leaves, um, she says, she basically is like, I don't know what to do. And he says, I don't think there's anything to be done. Something along those lines. And then he says, you want monogamy, marry a swan. Is that your best line? It's my best line. I All loved right. it. It was great. I mean, it could be any any number of animals, really, that are monogamous. But his point is Penguins. that that humans are not. So Mm-mm. you either deal with this or you don't. You know, right? You're not going to get um, that from him, right? My best line. So I am um, Nora Ephron does this thing in both When Harry Met Sally and this, where she's like sets up kind of like a thesis statement that like pretty much 
gives you the question of the movie or where the problem is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And very then, obvious in When Harry Met Sally. It's very obvious in When Harry Men Met Sally. Women can't very, be friends. You just stole my thunder in When Harry Met Sally. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but no, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. But she does this when the therapist... So I, I kind of cheated again with my best line because it's a two-parter because she does this thing where she sets up a thesis statement and then comes in with a speech at the end that kind of like sums up the speech, the thesis statement. So like, so I have a two-part best line because I really do think they go together. So my uh-huh. first part of that is when the therapist is comes in when she's like having her breakdown or whatever and... Um, and Rachel's like talking about marriage and she goes, because it doesn't work. Marriage doesn't work. You know, it works divorce. And Mm -hmm. that is like setting up basically what is going to be this, right. The, the, the thing in this movie is like Nora Ephron has spelled it out for you. Marriage doesn't work. You know, it works divorce. And then at the very end, and I only chose part of this and I, I, God love um, Meryl Streep in because I mean I the woman think I can read any line. I think I know where you're um, at the very very end of the movie. Rachel has this whole speech where she um, and I only chose part of it where she like talks about basically they're at this um, dinner with uh, their friends oh, and they're like joking about Thelma Rice having an affair still and they're just gossipy and just rude people. Yeah, and like you know, still all joking about it. And, um, they said, Oh, they were talking about somebody like not knowing that their wife was a lesbian. And they're like, how can you live with somebody and not know? And she's like, Oh, you can know, or that can be possible. Because she Uh talks about like, Oh, you, you just see what you want to see. You are like, you are so, you are so in love with that person that you just like want it to be something. And so at the very end of the speech, she goes, and then the dream dies. The dream breaks into a million tiny little pieces, which gives you a choice. You can either stick with it, which is just unbearable, or you can go just go off and dream another dream. She throws the pie in his face, and then she says, can I have the car keys, please? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it is such a great, like, that's the Nora Ephron of it, is that, boom, can I have the car keys, please? Uh And it's just, that's the, okay, it's done. Uh It's done. Actually, the moment that you know it's done is... When she's at the jewelry place yes, and realizes she's I love still having that. an affair. I thought maybe that's what you were going to say when she, she has another little monologue there with the jeweler. Because uh, yeah, the jeweler's and, saying, I've always loved this wedding ring. And she just out of, not out of nowhere, but you just kind of see the light go off that she's done. And because yeah. she, she went, because this is when she finds out that he's purchased a very, very expensive. expensive he's put necklace. down a down payment on a necklace for Thelma. And this is like months after they've supposedly reconciled. Reconciled. Um, And she's, he, the jeweler says, you know, I've always loved that ring. And she says, well, how much would you take for it? So she's just going to sell her ring right there before she's even really confronted him about this continuing thing with Thelma. And he's like, can't believe that she would get rid of it and and he and she says i love the ring it just doesn't go with my life like yeah and then she kind of continues to like elaborate and it's all very metaphorical like she's actually talking about the ring but you hear that this marriage is not working for her and where she sees her life and she sees her life you know with her kids in in new york doing her job 
and not mm-hmm. messing with Mark's bullshit. <laughs> right. I will say, like, one of my favorite, like, witty lines was also in that scene with the jeweler where she finds out that um, he's purchased a necklace and she's, like, visibly upset and the jeweler, like, asks her about it and she says, like, trying not to let on that she knows he bought it for somebody else. She says, mm-hmm. nothing's worse than opening a box with a necklace in it when you're not in the mood for a necklace. And that's uh, yeah. such a good <laughs> line. Because it's like, and the jeweler even says, like, when are you not in the mood for a necklace? Like, Right, right. Yes. So there are moments of very good lines in this oh, movie. Yeah. And I actually had a hard time. I'm curious as to, to know like what your worst line is because I actually had a hard time finding a worst line because it was like they yes, all the, the lines time. the lines aren't bad. What I think doesn't work for me about the movie is like the plotting and it's pacing the of it. Yeah, the structure, yeah. but the the dialogue itself is not bad. So no, what was your not worst, at all. What was your worst? I actually line? did. I had a hard time too, and I went through the whole thing and didn't write down anything that was a worst line. Same. And and I was like, okay, there has to be something that just completely rubbed me the wrong way. And there were like little things, but they were again like what, the trap that we always fall into. And not necessarily that it's a trap; it's something that we should all be aware of. But what we fall into, like, oh, this is outdated. This is xenophobic. This yeah. is just like something that representative of our, you know less than uh ideal cultural circumstances which is a great time mark of there progress were, there were a few of those but yeah but then there was this one scene that just was like as a a married woman i guess that really stuck out in my mind and i don't have this problem with my husband at all my husband is an extremely like um <laughs> self-sufficient sophisticated man and I adore him for that but they're camping or they're at the cabin Mm -hmm. and he's she's one of them has made this gorgeous roast chicken for lunch and he Mm -hmm. just grabs it and eats which that wouldn't bother me but it bothers Rachel and Mm -hmm. she says this isn't your mother's house you can't do that kind of thing and people will think it's cute, you know. And he says, if it's not my mother's house, then why are you talking to me like I'm your kid? Mm-hmm. And it's just this whole, like, dynamic in a lot of marriages where, I'm sorry, if you're being a butthead and the other partner has to and your partner has to parent you that's not on them for like acting like a parent it's on you for being the person that needs to be parented by your spouse you know Uh and I'm just tired of this dynamic in marriages that people still seem to be accepting of that like that like the the wife is the mother of this obnoxious or rude or not self-sufficient husband, you know, like the husband Uh is just this big kid, like immature child, which I don't generally have a problem with people behaving like, like children. Like we should all be able to be a little immature and childlike sometime. That's not the problem. It's just, like, 
that act that he did in the movie, I didn't think was a problem. That's not the kind of thing that would bother me unless I was like, no, we're having a fucking dinner party. You can't do that. They're not. They're, they're lounging about a cabin, dining, you know, al fresco. The picnic, yeah. He can, I would have dove into the freaking chicken if I was seven months pregnant. Like she is, you know, if I was pregnant yeah. and that chicken's sitting there, I'm going to be like, oh no, there are flies. I'm taking this leg and just start eating. So like, I didn't have yeah. a problem with that at all, but I do have a problem with this, with, if we talk about cultural things, like there's a whole sequence where they kind of go off on like Vietnamese restaurants that I thought was mm-hmm. really tacky, but yeah, like, I did too. we're, we're slowly getting over those sorts of representations in, in our entertainment. I don't think we're getting over this idea that husbands are just their wives, big children at all. In fact, from what I can tell from social media, it's being even more propagated. It's being even more supported and it's more influential. Yeah, I don't like that. So that really stuck out with me and really rubbed me the wrong way. That line was so representative to me of like something that has really spiraled into just this like given cultural phenomena in the in the straight, you know, in the heteronormative sphere that I just yeah. don't I don't agree with and it bothers me. My worst line goes along with that. It was um when they get back together um, and she clearly has misgivings and like Mm -hmm. as an anxious person who like I understand the like desire to ask like hey are we okay are we doing okay all those types of things but it's also like that's not a the the way to handle these situations like I mean have conversations and have like real conversations but like so it's that same kind of idea of like she's the one who has to like be good and I she's hated on the phone that. With, she's on the phone with Stockard Channing <sighs> and saying like she was so she's saying like basically she hasn't been asking, hasn't checking in when really like they should be having conversations yeah. about like their relationship and like where they are and like, hey, are we okay? Like I mean, I think it's healthy to have I yeah. mean I think that's like a hallmark of like problems in relationships is like when you don't have those conversations, like some of my strongest relationships with like friends, even we've had these conversations of like, Hey, just checking in. Like, I feel like I did this, you know, and it's just like clear the air, like have be vulnerable, have the conversation. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, there is a way to not do it, which is like constantly, once you get that reassurance, don't do it all the time. But like, so she has that thing and stalker Channing or, Meryl Streep, uh, Rachel says, I'm being very good. And soccer training says, I'm proud of you. And I'm like, I just like, yes, they have two conversations. They go on a walk with the new baby too. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm, I'm still being good. And, and so, so yes. So we're saying being good is not communicating with your partner and And keeping everything a bunch of food. I know. I I was so pissed. I hated it so much. It's very outdated. I didn't want Stocker Channing to be that character, but they they frame it like she, like they're, they're, they have an older kid, their kid's Mm -hmm. like middle school age or something. And they say like, oh, early on, you know, her husband also had an affair and, and this is what she did to like 
fix things. Yeah, and, and it's she like, was good, and it's like again, am not, I falling in the uh, trap of like, are we being like just not liking it because it's regressive, or like what you know? And so I don't really, I don't know. I think that it's it's just noticeable enough that it feels regressive, but also it's still around. It's just, I just it's don't like still around. I just also like, just don't like the gone. line. It's just like, it doesn't oh, add yeah. anything. And especially that it comes up twice. It just doesn't add anything. Like, right. Well, and I think we need context too. And maybe that's something where like the book handles it better is like, okay, maybe there's more to why this character the stalker Channing character like chooses this word or this phrase or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there was like a lot more depth to that, that relationship and those conversations that those two characters had, but it gets boiled down to like the worst possible word choice and the worst possible symbolism of like her behavior in the aftermath. And, Oh yeah. And and it's so close to the end. I'm being good. Well, I'm being good. Good is so like, good is just such a, to who? You're it means nothing. To whom? Well, and the word good means nothing. Yeah. Like, good is one of those words that, like, as a writer, I try to avoid because it means mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. So it's just, like, I don't know. I just, I did not like it. Um, I We should probably wrap up Heartburn, but I do yeah. want to say a couple of things that actually transition into When Harry Met Sally pretty decently in okay. that um, – Jack Nicholson singing My Boy Bill was I probably my favorite part of the movie. Loved. I just wrote the pizza and song scene and then I drew hearts all around it. I yeah. loved it. And then the fact that like he carries it into the next day and she's just exhausted because she's like in her early pregnancy and yeah. she doesn't want to hear it anymore. But he's like, you can what just tell he's going to sing show tunes about this baby for like well, nine months straight. And I loved and, it. It was so adorable. <laughs> and then when Harry met Sally, they have the whole scene with, uh, sorry, with the French on top. So it's again, a Nora Ephron thing of like pulling in Rogers and Hammerstein um, and then you have in that same scene, they're like, let's sing songs about babies. And he's like, well, what, what are songs about babies? And then he starts with, yes, sir. That's my baby, yes. which comes up in when <laughs> Harry met Sally, when they're playing Pictionary. Yep. And I was just like, oh my, like, I just, no, there were sir, some moments, no, maybe <laughs> there's some moments. She, okay. And so like, I guess this is a good point to get into when Harry well, met Sally. I have like, one more thing to say. Okay. I did say tell one, you I had one more my, thing. Cause you were very excited and you texted me when you saw Stalker Channing. Oh and yeah. I, I have a note and here's my note. Okay. My note is who needs lines when you have Stalker Channing's facial expressions? You know, that's so true. So my pin on heartburn was just like, you know, and these are great lines, say- but we didn't need any of this. I could have just watched Stalker Channing react to, and you know, for that what- matter, <laughs> Meryl Streep. And for that matter, Meryl yeah. Streep. Um, so let's go into When Harry Met Sally. I did not need to watch this movie. I did I watch this movie. I, I can say this entire movie with my eyes closed. Like, I could act it out for you. I know exactly the beats of, like, of when Meg Ryan, when she, it's why she gets on the plane at the end of the movie, Hairspray Cam. Like, I can act this movie out. I know it mm-hmm. so well, mm-hmm. and I still watched it. And let I'm me tell you start... what, I have no notes. Like, we just gave a no lot notes. of, we had, like, notes. Like, we had thoughts. It's... Like, we could remake Heartburn because we have thoughts. 
I've seen When Harry Met Sally at least a hundred times, and I like Easily. cannot pick anything out of it. I can't. I'm like, it's no notes. It it's still just... holds up. It like so many of those early or late '80s, early '90s rom coms are like, oh my gosh, this is so like unbalanced. The woman is so whatever. The man is so this, and like, yeah, is it of the time? Sure, but I it holds up. Those relationships mm-hmm. hold up the. The way they talk to each other, it holds up. I just love the movie. I love, oh, that's what I was going to say. We've talked about, are there famous lines in the movie? Oh, yes. And, and the famous line, the best line. <laughs> well, the famous line is at when they're in, I mean, the orgasm scene when they're in Katz's Deli is the most famous scene of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's when you think about. I'll have what she's fav- having. <laughs> okay, so here's my favorite part about. I have, I've watched the director's commentary because of course I have. Um, my favorite like tidbit about those, those scenes or that scene. Um, so they have this whole thing where earlier on, Harry says something about like when they're like on a plane and, or on the plane, he's like, um, men get up and leave. Like don't want to yes. like stay, spend all night cuddling. And how that was like long, a revelation. How, how long do you like how to long cuddle do you like all to be night? Held? Probably, right? right? Yes. And I do hate That's that because problem. it's just like, Somewhere between 30 seconds and all night is your problem. I don't have a problem. (laughs) I I do hate, I do hate that, like, because it's just annoying, but it's like not a bad line because it fits his character. Anyway, but he says something like, like in the director's commentary, Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner talk about how like that was the revelation from a male, like, and they're like, well, we need something of equal revelatoriness from the female to like balance that and Nora Ephron says well women fake orgasms and Rob Reiner's like no they don't and she's like yes they do and he's like no 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 and so then he like he like runs into like the the like crew and it's like who here has faked an orgasm like because he's just like so shocked by this so they put that in so that's the genesis of the and I'm sure um, that all have Nora Ephron said the exact same thing that Meg Ryan says when she's like, if every woman has done it, but no man thinks it's ever happened to him, you do the math. Math. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so that was the genesis of that scene. And then um, they're doing, so they put it in, they go to the first screening of it, the first preview. Rob Reiner's mom is the person who is having yeah. Who says the line <laughs> and he turns to her before the preview and's like, mom, we might have to cut it. You know, it's probably, it's probably not going to make it in the movie because it's going to just get overshadowed by Sally faking an orgasm. And what happens actually is the biggest laugh in that uh-huh. preview screening is the line. I'll have what I'll she's have what having. She... And uh-huh. so it becomes like, it was a line that Rob Reiner thought was going to cut. His mom says it. And it's in the movie. And it's just such a, like, it's, it's not my best line in the movie. I no, think it's not it mine is, either. I think it is a great line. I think it is. It's become such, like a cultural touchstone, honestly. Absolutely. Like, the amount and of it, times it's been parodied and referenced and, and so yeah, many times. everybody and recognizes like, it, even if they haven't like, seen the whole movie. Right. And some, a lot of people, like, that's the only scene they've seen in the movie. And so yeah. like, there's the... There was the movie with a Gerard Butler and Katherine Heigl, and where there's a scene where he like gives her a, like underwear with a vibrator, and she like has an actual orgasm in a restaurant. But it, and so that was clearly trying to be the when Harry met Sally thing, and it's like no, mm-hmm. you cannot, you cannot do it yeah. better than when Harry met Sally did. And like 
so in Katz's Deli in New York, they have a sign at the table that they filmed at above it that says, I'll have what she's having. And so back in like 2009, a few of my friends and I went to go to Katz's Deli and it was packed because it was lunchtime. And mm-hmm. I was circling, trying to find a table. And like just at the moment, the two men who were sitting at that table got up. And so I like slammed my tray down and I was like, we're sitting at the Harry and Sally table. And it was... And, like, they use it, they're like, we have orgasmic pastrami, which she did not have pastrami. She no. had turkey. Um, but <laughs> he has pastrami. But, yeah, so we got the famous line out of the way there. Yes. But I could, and we I mean, I could talk that. about, I could talk about every line in this movie. Yeah. Like, I really could. I, I made I have myself whole, not write which very is, much. I, I have my I whole list. from the beginning. Especially just, like. The, just the way that they frame these characters, like so good. she's very, she's very clever. She's very intelligent. Uh, she's very, the way that she delivers things in this very like matter of fact way leads her to have some very like just great lines and great line deliveries. And then they like the way he is, is just this very like, sardonic witty mm-hmm. twisted kind of guy and so then i mean the they each have these character traits that make everything that comes out of their mouth funny in some way or another well, here's and i this is a reason why i actually think this movie works better than heartburn is the characters do evolve yes like, he changes she's very yeah. And so does she. She's very uptight at the beginning. She, like, I mean, they have the whole, like, days of the week underpants scene. Or, or like, mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't change the, like, way she orders things doesn't change. But that very first, I'd like the apple pie a la mode, um, but I want the pie, I'd like to buy heated. And I don't want the ice cream on top, I want it on the side. Like, she's very uptight in that exchange. Yeah. And he is very dark and twisted. I think about death all the time, all these mm-hmm. things. And as they evolve, I mean, like, one of my favorite line readings in the entire movie is, like, the second time they meet, they're on the plane. Harry says he's getting married because he just got tired of doing the single guy thing, the white man's overbite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when he reveals to Sally that he's getting married, she says, you are. You, you are. are. And you then are. my favorite line read in the entire movie is, who, who is she? <laughs> it's just so, it's a simple it's so line, good. but her line read is brilliant. Yeah. And like, so he's evolving there. And then the third time they meet, they're like in their thirties. They are, have full careers. They've had relationships that have worked, that have not worked. He's getting divorced. She's broken up with Joe. And they even have this conversation of like, you know, the first time we met, I didn't really like you. And she's like, no, that's not true. You were just so uptight then. And so mm-hmm. it's like they've grown as people. Yeah. And I think that's what makes them more enjoyable to watch, even just in their day-to-day lives. Like they still have their, who they are, mm-hmm. but it's more interesting to watch because they're growing. And it's not like Ra- Rachel's a sad sack the entire time. Yeah. In Harvard. Yeah. Absolutely. I do have my list of like lines that I quote regularly okay <laughs> which is it's already out there when she's goes to let it lie after he let it lie. it's already out there um right that's what i said when he gets everything wrong um carrie fisher oh, is just I love a tour de force. you were gonna be a gymnast 
A journalist. A journalist. Right. Right. That's what I said. Journalist. <laughs> just, just so you know, this entire section on when Harry met Sally is just us going to be quoting the movie back Pretty and much. forth to each other. That's it. Um, Carrie Fisher is so good as Marie, and she has the. You're right. You're right. I know you're right. That like, all whole, the time. I love that <laughs> motif. It just he's never going to leave her. No yes, one thinks he's ever going to leave her. No, um, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. I know. I um, love also the- one line that that just always gets me um, when they're in the bookstore and they're about to meet for the third time where they have their friendship. And she's, she's Carrie Fisher goes, someone is staring at you in personal growth. <laughs> I use that line too. And it's it's so good. And then she just that walks is, away. That's Marie. Yeah. Was Marie. Um, you'd like him. He's married. Um, the other Carrie Fisher line I use frequently. It's like my favorite way to, if somebody knows, you know, it's only with a certain people who like have seen the movie, like my favorite way to get out of an awkward conversation at a party or like, is I turned, I turned to my friend Anna and I go, I've been looking for a red suede pump because yeah. that's how she differs when Jeff and Marie clearly, I just went to it tonight and then they like go off in the cab together. Um, it's just, there are so many little witticisms in this movie that are uh-huh. just so good. Um, everyone thinks, everyone in the world thinks they have good taste and a sense of humor, but they can't yes. possibly all have good taste. Like, that is I'm such an accurate your, line. He's like, why can't you be on my side? I'm on your on side. I'm just side. trying to help you have good taste. <laughs> I have good taste. Yeah. Um, and it's just, there's so many, so many little witticisms. And the whole, like, the exchanges between the older couples is such good framing of the movie mm-hmm. about like how they met. Those were real stories from people they interviewed and mm-hmm. they were going to have the original couples like do them, but then they're like, Oh no, we need actors. We need actors. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, there's so much that is so right about yeah. when Harry Metallian. And that's why it stood the test of time. And I think like most people you will talk to will be like, no, it holds up. It's mm-hmm. a movie that holds up. Yes. And I think we're we're talking about, like, we've spent so much time now in talking about this movie, just talking about the characters. And I think that says a lot. And again, like, where we're talking about, like, where things were focused. Things were so focused on the drama of everything that I don't feel like, you know, there was enough depth and enough detail to the characters no. in Heartburn for in me to be like no, I love no this care. person whereas yes. within five minutes of when Harry met Sally I'm like oh my god I am Harry and I love Harry like you yes. know you're just you immediately have these connections because they're just so detailed and so rich and so interesting and unique and I think that is probably a huge portion of why people just connect to this movie, are obsessed with this movie, just love this movie, and continue to watch it yeah. over and over again. Well, and they do. One Nora Ephron in all of her movies does some really great things with music too. Yeah. And I mean, I felt this in Heartburn. I thought it was really interesting the way they used Itsy Bitsy Spider as like a running it was a musical weird thing. To it was me. really, it was a little <laughs> weird. And but I like understood what she was doing with the metaphor of like the rain and washing out the spider. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so when when in when Harry met Sally, they do the Great American Songbook. So it's like Ella Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm bunch of jazz artists and then you have strains of it had to be you played Mm -hmm. by harry connick on the piano throughout the entire movie one of my other favorite pieces of trivia about when harry met sally is so you have it had to be you sprinkled in there 
the only time it is sung is when Harry ends up back at Washington Square Park. They go through the retrospective with the men and women can't be friends conversation, but scenes of their entire, and it's sung. And that's the only time Frank Sinatra, like the granddaddy of Great American Songbook, and that kind of music, that's the only time he sings in that movie, mm-hmm. is it had to be you at the end. And that song has been hinted to all about all yeah. throughout the movie. It's brilliant. It is mm-hmm. such brilliant musical storytelling. Yeah, I love I love the music in that movie. It's so good. Um, should we get into I mean, we could talk about every let's do our every worst lines of- first and save our okay. best lines for, for last. Okay. So- I do just wanna like do you like, yeah. we, you mentioned it earlier, we were talking about, yes, sir, that's my baby. No, sir, don't mean maybe. <laughs> baby fish mouth is another baby thing I quote. fish mouth, I, I was, said yes. We were, we were playing um, Pictionary or like some version of it at like a, a like pe- professional development, like team bonding day in, uh-huh. when I was teaching and somebody on my team, like I, I think just like being a jackass, like I want to do, I just shout like baby fish mouth, <laughs> baby fish mouth. Uh, baby fish, baby fish mouth, baby fish mouth. And somebody else is like, yes. Um, <laughs> oh, but baby fish mouth, baby fish mouth is sweeping the nation. <laughs> anyway, so now let's get into those worst lines. What is yours? Because I actually was able to choose one, which is shocking to me. Yeah, I didn't think I was going to be able to choose one. But there is a conversation in this movie that has always rubbed me the wrong way, and I can't really put my finger completely on it. But it's when they both... Their their full full flung friendship, or you know, it's they're hanging out every single day. They are best friends, and he's moving into a new apartment. And they both have had dates the prior night, and both mm-hmm. of their dates went horribly awry. <laughs> they had awful times. They hated it. And Sally is saying, like, I don't. I think it could be months before we're able to go on dates and actually enjoy them. And maybe even longer before we can go to bed with someone. And Harry says, oh, I went to bed with her. And I, that's always just like, ew, no, don't I, do that. Because so, his, he, he literally, like, I just feel bad for the woman that he slept with. Well, yeah. Like, See, he had this, he had a freaking meltdown from some peripheral uh, mention of something that made him think of his ex-wife, had to, like, leave the Helen restaurant. Michigan? No, Northwestern, yeah. but they're both big 10 schools. Both big 10 schools. And, and Sally's just, like, the look on her face is like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so he has a panic attack and rushes out of the restaurant. And I just am like, it's, I guess, A, it's sort of unbelievable to me that a woman would sleep with him after that. You know, if a man rushes out of the restaurant, I'm probably like being like, okay, I'll just take the check and get a doggy bag yeah. of cheesecake and go home. <laughs> right. But so, so it's always been, I guess, a little unbelievable to me that he was able to sleep with that woman, that that woman stuck around after he rushed out of the restaurant. Um, but then also I feel bad, like clearly he's not ready to like be in a relationship. So maybe don't don't date like you are you know for a while I don't know I mean it's hard to say don't date but it's like they're definitely portraying it in that movie that like they are both looking for relationships I don't think 
they're portraying it like just go date and have fun. Like have they're both sex. talking about moving on, finding a long-term relationship. They both do want to settle down and get married. See. And so just maybe don't be putting yourself out there like that. If you're going to be, Here's you know, I guess I just it. think of like this woman that, that if you take yourself into this scenario, she would have yeah. to like go find him and comfort him, find out what was going on. Maybe this woman like thinks that, that this is like the vulnerability and that he's emotional yeah. and like wants to, to see something through with this man and then slept with him. And then is like thinking that there's something there when there's clearly not, you know, yeah. I mean, and whereas so- to him, it is just like, Oh, well, at least I can salvage some sex out of this. <laughs> yeah. So I've never had a problem with the line as a line because mm-hmm. like it is the character. Like, I mean, right. it comes back yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Like Sally's like, you're going to have to leave New York or move to New Jersey because you've slept with everybody in New York. And I don't yeah. see that making Helen a distant memory from you. And that's how he's coping. That is how he's yeah. thinking as a man of Absolutely. moving on. And that's where that line doesn't bother me because that's the man's or in, in this telling of it, that's him as a man, his way of coping with this. And so that right. line has never bothered me. I do see it as a character flaw. However, um, I, I, I see your point for sure as the character flaw. My worst line comes earlier when they're having, um, it's between Marie, Alice, and Sally. They just found out that um, the um, that Sally and Joe broke up, which mm-hmm. actually one of my favorite lines comes, and this is a line that I do use frequently, um, comes from that scene where... Um, Marie is like focusing on the fact that they broke up and she's like, you had a date on national holidays. And if that's not one of my main reasons for wanting to be in a relationship, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah. um, so and it's like, because it's so true. It's like, you <laughs> yeah. have somebody there. You, you had a date on national holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, but my other, my worst line comes when they're trying to get, or Marie is like, you know, Sally, you have to go out there again. And she's like, I'm not ready. And Marie has this whole thing of like, oh, well, give him time. You, this is what happened to so-and-so. They said, give it six months later, he winds yeah. up dead. And Sally responds, and this is, says, what are you saying? I should marry someone right away in case he's about to die. And here's my problem with that is because, no, that is not what Marie yeah. is saying. Marie no. is saying that you could die. Yeah, like, exactly. That's the story. It's not that he could die. It's that you could die. Yeah. And so that line has always bothered me because it's like, no, her story was about the guy who was yeah. guilted who died. And then well, and this Sally's whole idea like, that like you have to be like what? That's not a reflection on you if you were to suddenly die. That you were single at the time? Like, that doesn't matter. (laughs) Right, I know. But it's also, like, it's just, like, like, from a writing perspective, it's like, no, that's not what Marie was saying. Marie was saying that you could die. Not that he could die. You could die. If we're paralleling this. Anyway, other than that, I love that scene. But that is the line that I'm just, I was like, no, that's not. mm -mm." Okay, so what's your best line? Because you said you, like, didn't write what it is. Oh, you know what it is. You know what it is. It's the line. It's the line. It's men and women it's, can't be friends because... No, no. It's when you realize that you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Soon as possible. And that's always been my favorite line from the movie. And I have crazy, crazy uh, hormones running through my body, and I started crying. 
I cried when I saw this movie, like, the first time when I was in college, um, when he said that. And then I normally don't. I think maybe I've probably watched it, like, really, really drunk at, like, 2 a.m. on New Year's Eve a couple times in my life. Um, (laughs) And maybe cried again. But, um, but no, definitely uh, not in college and not drinking just started crying I was like that's right (laughs) and I've always loved it it's like it's perfect perfect perfectly written perfectly delivered perfect Mm -hmm. end to the movie yeah no notes no no um so my that is I as I said I cheated again in this one and heartburn because again Nora Ephron does this brilliant thing of setting up the thesis statement and then concluding it and so that was part of my best line was the Harry speech. Um, and particularly that part that Jessica just said, the, when you realize you want to spend life. Oh yeah, it's a whole speech. I like the, I love the whole so, thing. The whole speech is so good. I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. The other bookend of that that I... Um, so if we're going back to this whole ignore effort thesis statement thing... The bookend of that then has to be the setup of the entire movie, which is men and women can't be friends because the sex part gets in the way, which is like such a fascinating, I have had so many philosophical debates about this, um, or just philosophical, not debates, just conversations. Well, I love that he constantly like has the conversation. She doesn't ever really seem to care to a certain point after he just throws these things out there, but he's constantly like, okay, I have an amendment. Okay, no, I got to fix it. Like he's evolving this to fit whatever he wants it to mean like the whole time. And he'll just throw, so, okay, when we're both in relationships, wait, no, that won't work either. Okay, when when we're like, I don't know, he just has all these little reasons that, Maybe they could be. Maybe they could be. But the truth is that they never would have had that conversation if the both of them hadn't already, like, thought about it, you know, or at least he thought about it. Well, yeah, because you pretty much want to nail them, too. Um, Yeah. And so... So this is also bookended. I mean, yes, Harry's speech is wonderful, but then it's bookended by Old Lang Syne, which uh-huh. then they're like, what does this mean? And I don't particularly love these lines, but I like the way that it just bookends this. And they're talking about, well, this song is about old friends. And it's uh-huh. like, they have been friends for this for 12 years yeah. at this point, uh-huh. 12 years and three months, which is when they get married. Um, it only took three months, well, 12 years and three months. And so they've had all these conversations about friendship and they've been friends for this whole time. So you have this men and women can't be friends. You see their friendship evolve to romance, to love. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so brilliantly done, that whole thing. So I think if I'm going to distill it down to a best line in the movie, I think I would probably agree with you, Jess, but there mm-hmm. is just the the sequencing of it the is just whole so scene good. is so good yeah and, and and you can't have that scene without this maybe i maybe i do have to choose men and women can't be friends because the sex part gets the way because you can't have the rest of the movie without that mm-hmm. thesis statement that yeah. whole, the whole movie is i think i have to choose that then because that whole movie yeah. is predicated on that statement and we watch these two become friends 
And then when the sex part does get in the way, what happens to their friendship? Like when they do sleep together, what happens to their or friendship? Or I like the big, or I like the, the foreshadow that she just dumps on him when they go through this whole conversation about like, she's trying to add these stipulations because she disagrees with him this in their first mm-hmm. time because they're just disagreeing about everything right. <laughs> and they're talking about like and she's like well what if you're not attracted to them and he says yeah like you said nah, you pretty oh much you pretty much want to nail them too and all this stuff and so she finally just is like well i guess we're not going to be friends then and it's like well knowing what happens in the movie you're like well you are but ultimately you're not going to be just friends you're going to be more mm-hmm. so she's well, right <laughs> she is and it's it'd be really interesting and I don't remember if I'm making this up or if I read this somewhere that there was there was a version of this movie where they don't end up together oh god that I could be, be making, terrible it'd be terrible it would be a bad movie and not saying that like realistically is it like real to life realistic that these two people end up together after all this probably not but I don't know. I mean, probably maybe, not. But I mean, maybe, maybe not this stretch of time. But I think that it is fairly common for people who have extended yeah. periods of just friendship to decide that that friendship actually means more to them, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, but, but twelve like, years is kind of pushing it. Maybe. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I do think people are become friends and then mm-hmm. form relationships from friendships all the time. But I also think that, I don't know, there's, it doesn't necessarily make sense that these two people would end up, up together or like even post-marriage what happens. But right. I don't right. want to know that. I, I want them yeah. happily together. That's I'm rooting for when Harry met Sally and I'm rooting for them as a couple. So if this movie actually ended with them not as a couple, I would hate it. Anyway, so this is kicking off our start of our Nora Ephron Palooza. Um, we will be back with, what are the ones that we're doing next, Jess? I'm not sure. We're either going to have a Steve Martin week or a Lisa Kudrow week. Mm, both good choices. So... And then we'll finish, I do know that we're finishing up our, um, our Nora Ephron with the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Nora Ephron heavy hitters of Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. But um, along the way, we have some other ones. In the meantime, definitely um, watch, you know, I don't know if I'm going to say go watch Heartburn. I mean, I think if you're just really... Read the book. Yeah, read the book. Actually, better yet, listen to the book. Because Meryl Streep is the narrator. Listen to the book. I'm going to do that. And also, like, I guess if you're just a fan of Meryl Streep or Jack Nicholson, or like, you're just looking for some, for like a movie to just kind of like dissect and watch some good performances and find some like, you know, witty humor. And just, if you go in with low expectations, which I think we've probably set, um, it's not bad, but I wouldn't like make time to watch it. If it's kind of one of those things, like if you're sitting around and like doing like, it's on HBO, like, paying your bills or, or no, Paramount Plus, Paramount Plus. Like, uh, doing some cross stitching or something like, sure. Throw it on. Um, but don't go, like, I wouldn't say go look for it. You have to watch this movie. But I would say, if you have not seen When Harry Met Sally, please, for the love of what God, have you like, been doing with your life? what you're doing and go watch it. 
This yes. one's on Netflix right now. Um, Is it? Yeah, that's where I watched it. I, I have it. purchased it. I own it. I own the, the, I think I own a DVD and a Blu-ray and a digital copy. I, I definitely own a DVD, if but not two DVDs and a digital copy. I had already been watching something else on Netflix and it's, and it like popped up. And like when I exited what I was, I was watching Virgin River. Okay. I'll just admit it. I'm watching Virgin River. And when I exited Virgin River to go, like, go watch, I was like, now I need to watch Harry Met Sally for the podcast. It, like, recommended when Harry Met Sally to me. And I was like, oh, shit. Synchronicity. It was scary coincidental that it was like, oh, you like Virgin River? You should watch When Harry Met Sally. And I'm like... (laughs) I should, <laughs> um, I and I have to, and I'm going to. <laughs> so please watch it. Um, this is also my favorite Nora Ephron. Um, it's and the best. one of my, it's... I mean, if I ha- if somebody like Gunpoint was like top five movies, I think this is on there. It's very when hard. Harry Met Sally, Clue, our favorite for me. Yeah, it's very hard for me to pick favorites, but I can do lists. Um, and I think if I just did like an overall list of like what, what I feel is like very personal to me, um, what's been like very formative to me, like this is yes, definitely for sure. on my list. I think it's definitely shaped my comedy too. Like what, yeah, I, what I write. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so head to Instagram. Best we'll line, be, worst line. We'll be best line, worst line. Um, no spaces. We will be putting up some brackets in the stories and in our posts that have the best lines and the worst lines. We'll have a winner's bracket and a loser's bracket. <laughs> That's not what that is, but but anyway. Um, and you will just say, you know, which line you think is better. We'll take some votes. Please vote. Voting is cool. Voting is really cool. Fun and. And all the cool people do it. <laughs> um, so, yes. Uh, so go check us out. Uh, hang out with us there. Vote. And then we'll we'll have eight movies. Yes. Eight in total. Yeah. We'll just keep voting till we get the best Nora Ephron line. And as always, you can find us on Apple. You can find Best Line, Worst Line on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, please subscribe, rate and review. Um, that helps other people find us and we'll see you next time. <laughs>